What do you want to do with your life? I mean, what are your goals? What do you want to see God do through you? Whether you're young and about to graduate, still in college, near retirement, whatever it is, we should all have goals. Prof. Hendricks used to say, if you don't have goals, you have no direction. Think about some goals, and this could be true for us. We could say, listen, we want to know God. We want to grow in our relationship with him. We want to be used by God. We want to have an influence where we live. We want to have a family in which we train up our children. We want to have a good job and a place to live. We want to build good relationships with others. We want to make wise choices. Well, choices make a difference. Now, one day there was a man. His name was Lot, and he sat down at his desk, pulled out a sheet of paper, and he wrote down across the top, goals for my life, and this is the list that he wrote. To lose all sense of moral values, this is his list, this is my goal, to lose all sense of moral values, to forfeit, yeah, forfeit, forget, forfeit all spiritual authority in my home, to have no influence for good in my community, to lose everything dear to me, and then last one, not least, number five is up there, I think, on the next slide, to be conformed to the values of this world. Now, Lot sat down with a piece of paper and said, this is what I've decided to do with my life. Now, we'd say, no, that's ridiculous. Lot, Lot wouldn't do that. Well, Lot did not sit down and say, these are the goals of my life, but that's exactly what came in his life. These were the unwritten goals because of the natural consequences of his choices. He chose to live in a place that was totally wicked. And they knew that. They knew what Sodom and Gomorrah was like. Lot loved the world. He loved the world. He became conformed to the world, and he suffered the consequences of being identified with the world. And this evening, we're going to see what happened a lot. And you know, there are a lot of believers who love the world, and they're conformed to the world, and you can't tell any difference, really, between these believers and unbelievers. Now, we know who Lot is. He had come with Abraham from the Ur of the Chaldees to, to the Promised Land. About 20 years earlier, he had separated from Abraham and chose to live in Sodom. If you remember the time came, the, the flocks of Lot and the flocks of Abraham were, were so big that there just wasn't enough room. And so Abraham came to the younger man, his, his nephew, and said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we, we don't need to fuss like this because our herdsmen are fussing. You choose. Wherever you go, if you go that direction, I'll go the other direction. I just want you to, to, you know, to be happy. And basically, Lot looked around and he saw the well-watered plains of the Jordan. He saw where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in that part. And at that time, it was it was really beautiful. And so he decided to choose that. But he also know, knew by choosing that region, those areas, those cities, they were already known for being wicked people. And and so he chooses that and he goes there. Lot was a believer. Second Peter chapter two calls him a righteous man and says that he was influenced by the world. And we see that the consequences affected him. And not only him, but his entire family. Now, one of the things we don't always think about, but we realize that those around us, our family and our friends, are affected by our spirituality, how we're growing, what we're doing. And the choices we make not only affect us, but affect our family and others. We never sin or make choices in a vacuum. Well, this evening we're going to see what I call the sad story of Lot. Now, it's not over. We're, I mean, it gets worse. I mean, the, the part that we see tonight is pretty bad. Next time, it'll be even worse. And we'll finally get out of that chapter and move on. And then we see Abraham lying. So we want to say, well, maybe we can skip chapter 20 and get on to 21. Well, when you get into 21, what do you see there? Well, we'll see that as we go there. Let's be reminded of where we are. Last time, the Lord came with two angels to Abraham and told him that in a year, that in a year from now, Sarah would have a son, and they would name him Isaac, and it would fill God's promise. And as they were leaving, Abraham, and that was such good news, Abraham was walking with them. God basically says, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And so he told him, no, that the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah had come up, and the cry had come up before him. And that, that basically there was going to be destruction. And Abraham decided to intercede because he knew his nephew Lot was living there. And he didn't want the city to be destroyed. And so he actually said to God, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? You wouldn't do that, would you? What if there were 50 righteous? And God said, well, for 50, I wouldn't destroy the city. 45 wouldn't. 40, 30, 20, all the way down to 10. If there are 10 righteous people, God said, I wouldn't even destroy the city. Well, this evening, we're going to see what happens. The two angels have come to the city, and as they enter the city, they meet Lot. Let's break down the passage just so you can see the whole thing. In Genesis 19, we're going to see, whoops, I think. Yeah, there we go. The angels arrive. That's verses 1 through 11. Lot opens his home, and we see the wickedness of the city. It's really horrible. And then we see Lot gets out. They depart. The angels warn him, and basically they drag him out of the city. They take him by the hand and get them out. We won't get quite that far tonight. Then we see the destruction of Sodom, the fire and brimstone. And next time when we get that part, I'll bring a, a brimstone that I have that when I was in Israel in 1976, we went to that part of the world. And if you look, it's just a big area that looks like it's been burned up. It looks like there was volcano. volcano 
shallow erupted there. There's all these rocks that they call brimstone all over the ground there, which appears to be maybe some of the rocks that God brought out of the sky to burn the place up. And then we end with a very horrible part, the sin of Lot's daughters, and we'll see that as we go through it. So this is uh, not a very happy chapter, and to be honest with you, the next chapter is not very happy either. But we're seeing what happens in these people's lives. Well, let's begin. Our focus tonight will be verses 1 through 16. Let's begin with the angels as they arrive at Sodom. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. Now the angels are coming, the two angels. These are the ones referring to the ones that were with the Lord when he visited Abraham. They've come to Sodom in the evening. That's near the end of the day. That's what that means. Most likely they left Hebron or the area where Sodom had been, where uh, Abraham had been earlier, and so they got there uh, in the afternoon near near basically the sun's probably about to go down. Now Sodom was a city found near the southern end of the Dead Sea. We've got a map, and if we can put it up, I don't know if you can see exactly how it is, but notice we got the big black arrow. If you notice, there's the Dead Sea. South of the Dead Sea is that region right there where the arrow is pointing, which at one time was the well-watered plains of the Jordan. That's what it was called. It was a beautiful area. There were a number of cities there. I know you can't read it, uh, but there is a city that, that uh, is, still, is on this map. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah are not listed on this map, but there's a little, little city called Zor, which uh, you can't really see it, but it's right there at the southern end of the Dead Sea. We'll talk about that city uh, a little bit more. But where the arrow is pointing, that region, that part is what we'd call uh, where Sodom and Gomorrah was. The, the, and they're not there. There's nothing there now. It's just kind of a wiped-out place. Well, what we realize is that Lot has been there about 20 years. It's been about 20 years since he's been with Abraham. Uh, the separation from Abraham has changed Lot's life now because he had been with the man of faith, Abraham, a man who trusted God, and now he's been in the wicked, of, wicked city of Sodom for a good while. And notice they greeted him, and, and uh, they come to the gate of the city. Notice this, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, what does that mean? When you say the gate of the city, that doesn't mean he was just standing out the, were the main gate where they came in the city. But what that was is at the main gate of the city where people came in was the places in which the, the leaders and the elders of the city often sat. That was where legal transactions were done. That was where kind of business was transacted. You, I, I don't know if you want to leave that map up there. You, you don't have to. But anyway, that was where people did all of the business. So apparently Lot, for some reason, he's in some place maybe of leadership in the city because he's at the gate of the city. And, of course, he sees these, these people come in. Now, does he know who they are? Does he have any idea who they are? Notice what it says. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. Now, there's, there's all kind of questions. Does he know who they are? Does he think they're angels? Does he know there's something special? Or does he think they're just two strangers who have come into the town? And, you know, be honest, probably in that region, people said strangers don't just go into Sodom. It may be what it is. Who knows? But um, he has a place of authority in the city. It is so easy to desire a place of authority in this world. I mean, think about it. What do people do to, uh, what do they sacrifice uh, their spiritual growth for? Some people sacrifice it for position, for position of responsibility. They want the authority. They want, they want positions of responsibility, and they'll sacrifice their, their spiritual growth and, their, and their, uh, uh, their impact for Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's for pleasure. Their goal is desire and, and fulfill pleasure, and they'll sacrifice everything for a few moments of pleasure. Sometimes it's possessions. The goal of their life is possessions, and they just want to have that, and they'll sacrifice growing as a believer. Sometimes it's peace, and what I mean by peace is they just say, I just want to be left alone. I don't want to have to, be, I don't want to, have to worry about everybody else. And the truth is this. If you're going to make an impact for Jesus Christ and you're going to minister to people, uh, you, you will, not, we will not have that kind of peace. There will always be people because people take up time. And that's what we're supposed to do. Lot had joined the world. Let's put it that way. He has a position of authority. And there's no doubt this, that when Lot first went to Sodom, I bet, his, I bet he said, now we're going to this city, family, we're going to this city, and um, it's not a great city. The people are not very good, but it's good land, and we can get, we can, you can make money here. We can do this. And so what we'll do is we, we won't get tied up with these people. But he did. 
And there's a lot of Christians who say, well, I'm, I'm in the world. I'm not going to be of the world. I'm going to do stuff like this. And before you know it, they're caught right up into it. Well, he, he bows down and greets them, and he says to them, verse 2, Now, behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may arise up early and go on your way. They said, however, no, we shall spend the night in the square. Now, he comes and he offers them hospitality, which uh, you'd say, did they normally do that? Well, in that day and time, especially strangers, especially people who looked like they didn't have any place to stay, sometimes people would be hospitable and they would open their homes and they would say, you may have a place to stay here. We don't know if Lot sensed there was something special about these people. We don't know. We're going to see later on. He finds out very quickly. But but he says, why don't you turn aside, come to my house, spend the night, wash your feet, you'll get up early, and then you can go on your way. But what they say is, no, no, we'll spend the night in the square. I mean, they say, we'll just stay out, out here. Well, um, was that a safe place to stay in Sodom? And, and we'd say, no, not out there. No, and and, and, and he knows that. He, he doesn't even want these people. He doesn't even know these people, but he doesn't want them to stay out there. And so here's what he does. It says, yet he urged them strongly. And that, that word there is, is, is powerful. He's, he's saying, no, 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 no. You've got to come on with me. You cannot stay out here. He knew the situation. It would not be safe for even these strangers. And so he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. So they came with him. And he prepared a feast for them, and he baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So it looks like everything's going to be okay. He invited to come spend the night at his house. And what we know is he has a wife, and he has two daughters. That's what we know so far. Well, we don't know it from, the, from these verses yet, but we'll see it as we go through the passage. We read it a while ago. He's got a wife and two daughters. He also real, we also realize that his two daughters are either engaged or prepared, are ready to be married to two guys who live in Sodom. So he he's almost has two son-in-laws. Now watch what happened. And this is um, a really horrible thing. Before they lay down, the, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all people from every quarter. Now, uh, the word had gotten out that there was uh, some new people in town. Some new men had come to town. And so the men of the city, before they had gone to sleep, before they had gone to bed, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, and he really emphasizes it to make sure you realize it's the men of Sodom, they surrounded the house, the place that Lot lived, both young and old, not just young guys, old guys, all, all people from every quarter. They come from, came from every section. And we see it's a wide range, people from every area, and the old, young and old. Now, we see the wickedness of the city. Look what it says. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may have relations with them. The Hebrew word is word yada, which means to know. The NIV, actually, I think, anybody got an NIV? Doesn't, who's got an NIV? What does it say? Come, bring them out so that we can have what? Sex with them. That's exactly what it says. And the word relations is the word yada, which can mean two things. It means to know. And in the Hebrew, it may mean, I'd like to know that, and that's the word yada. But when it says, and he knew his wife, that has an idea of sexual relations. This is the word here, and they're saying, bring them out that we may, have, we may know them, we may have sex with them. What they're saying is they want to have sexual relations with these strangers. Just bring these men out so we can have sex with them. What we see there, of course, is homosexuality and uh, uh, sodomy. We get our word sodomy. From Sodom. That's, that's where, where we get the word. They want to have sexual relations with these strangers. We see the perversion, the sin, and the wickedness. Even in our society today, we want to call wrong right. We want to say uh, there are people out there who are pushing to get the homosexual agenda. They want it to be an alternate lifestyle. They do not want to see it as something that might be wrong. They just want to see it as maybe different. Even churches. There are churches in our country, there are churches that set up committees discussing how we can ordain homosexuals, how we can have homosexuality in our churches, how we can do all this. In a, in a Christian magazine, an article on movement by churches said, even though homosexual lifestyle is definitely and, uh, defend, definitely and clearly condemned in the Word of God, there are committees, and they're talking about committees in local churches, are seeking to change the Bible rather than to change the people's behavior. They do not want to join with Jesus and say, go and sin no more. They want to say, choose any lifestyle you want. I want you to understand something. It's been about eight years ago, but eight years ago I was at a meeting and I can't remember, I think, it was, I think in those days it was me and Rodney. And Rodney and I were at a meeting, and there were other pastors. 
And I was sitting on the end of a table. It was like the long table, like it had, you know, three on one side, three on another. Then there's another table right there, and another table right there, and another table right there. So you can hear what people are saying. So I'm sitting at the table, Rodney's sitting by me, and there's like two or three other pastors at our table. And then there's three or four other pastors at a table that's no further than right there, and they're talking. And I hear them talking. And I'm not going to tell you the churches right now, but the pastor of the church, one of the churches was saying, I'm trying to figure out how we can get the homosexuals in our church and how we can get this accepted by our people. And the other pastor said, you're going to have to go slow because how we did it in our church is we went real slow and we got a person on staff eventually that's homosexual and and then we begin to and so the people have now begun to accept it but you got to go slow there's a way to do it i heard those guys talking about how they were going to try to get the homosexuality accepted in their church uh, that that's an alternate lifestyle one of the pastors that said uh this is how we did it in our church i had uh been at a discussion with him once there were other people around but he was talking I w- he wasn't talking directly to me but he was talking and he said that all that matters in relationships is justice love that means you treat your partner fairly it doesn't matter whether it's a man with a man a woman with a woman or a man with a woman it doesn't matter whether they're married or single it doesn't matter as long as you treat each other justly, then that's fine with God, and we call that justice love. That's what he teaches. That's what he teaches in his church. So you see that what's happened, what was happening in Sodom, and we see what has happened in our country, what has happened in our city, what is happening in our world. There's perversion and rebellion and those kind of things. Well, we see this in Sodom. The men have demanded these strangers come out so they can have sex with them. The mob is inside, outside the streets surrounding Lot's house. Now, what Lot does here, I cannot explain this. You've read the verse. I cannot explain this. I don't know what he's thinking. But notice what the next verse says. Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now, I can explain that. That's not hard. The next verse is the hard one. He goes out and shuts the door behind him and says, Hey, hey, you guys, wait, wait. Lot, don't do this wicked thing. What's the wicked thing? They want to have sexual, homosexual relations with these strangers. They want to bring them out and have sex with them. But look at the next verse. Now, behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations, relations with a man. Please, bring, please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men as much as they've come under the shelter of my roof. I do not understand anything what he's saying there. Uh, I would throw anybody out of my house to protect my daughters. You know what he's saying? Hey, hey, listen, don't, don't go after these men. Look, I'll bring my two daughters out, and you can do with them whatever you want to do. Does this make sense to any of y'all at all? Does, here's some thoughts. Why could he do this? What's, is, is it out of fear? Is he so afraid that they're going to attack the house and kill them all? That's maybe what he's thinking. And maybe he's saying, listen, I'll sacrifice my daughters to keep myself from being killed. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Second, maybe he thinks they won't harm his daughters. Because they want men. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Maybe he's offering, listen, I'll send you my daughters out, knowing that they'd say, we don't want your daughters, we want men. Third, maybe maybe he is so warped by this culture that he's been living in that he doesn't even think about the value of his own daughters. Now, I don't understand what he's doing. I mean, how could you tell these men, listen, listen, don't, don't mess with these strangers. I'll just give you my two daughters. doesn't make sense to me at all. I think he's so warped by the culture. He's so warped by the world. He's so warped by his fear. He's lived there for 20 years. Listen, let me tell you something. We're going to see by the time we're through with the passage, not tonight, but by the time we're through with the old section, the whole family's warped. The, the, the mama never gets out. His wife never gets out. She is so tied into the culture she doesn't leave. And we'll see what the two daughters do, the ones that he's willing to throw out tonight. We'll see what they do toward the end of the passage, which you've read before. You know what they do. And, and so we just see that the whole family is warped because they lived in that situation. So, so he says, now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with men. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men as much as they've come under the shelter of my roof. I've had some people try to explain it by saying, well, he, you know, the culture says he's supposed to protect them. And so he's willing to give up his daughters to protect these strangers who he's taken into his home. Well... 
I would protect my daughters before I protect any of these people I don't even know. Uh, but the bottom line is, he's living in a place that strangers can't even come to your house without being attacked. Tell me what kind of city this is. What kind of place this is. Do you ever wonder why the cry of the wickedness of that city had gone up before God? What's their response? Verse 9. But they said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien and already is acting like a judge. Now we'll treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. Now what did they say? They said, stand aside. Get out of the way. We don't want your daughters. We don't want your daughters. And then they said, who does this guy think he is? This guy came here as an alien. He's not one of us. He moved in 20 years ago. And he thinks he's going to be our judge. Where, does, where was he when, when the angels came into the city? He was at the what? The gate of the city. He's been a judge. He's in a place of leadership. They say right now, who does this man think he is? He's not even really one of us. He came here. He's an alien. He thinks he's going to judge us. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll treat him worse than them. He said, we'll treat you worse than them. He says, not only will we get these two men that are staying with you, we'll get you and get everybody else too. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. They're beginning to, to come upon him now, and he's begin, probably beginning to back up, back toward the door of his house. And you can see why the cry from this place had come up before the living God. You see what happens when a person gets tied up into the world. They lose their testimony. They lose, they lose so much. Uh, they lose their, their growth. They lose their rewards. They lose everything. Well, look at verse 10. You know who's going to save his life? The angels, watch. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. Now, the angels reached out through the door, grabbed him, pulled him back in and shut the door. Now, you can imagine the mob of those people now are beginning to come to the door. But what did they do? They struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the door. Now, what they did... They, they, uh, they knew that if they didn't do something, the people would break down the door and kill them all. That, that's the plan. And so they struck them with blindness. Now, these are angels of the Lord. They have power that God's given them. And so they fix it where these men outside all of a sudden can't find the door. It says they struck them with blindness so they wearied themselves to find the doorway. It's almost as if they thought, wait a minute, where, where is that place? We, can't, we don't know where it is. They start going all over the place because they can't find it. These angels fixed it where they couldn't see and find the door to the house. The word blindness literally means a dazzled state. And it may mean somehow that, that he fixed, the angels fixed it where it was just so bright or something they couldn't see. Or where they just were, were dazzled by everything and they just didn't know where they were. They couldn't find the door. Now Lot has identified himself with these people. And he's lived there for 20 years. The angels now give their message to Lot. There are two reasons why they came. I want you to see what they are. Number one, they're to get Lot and his family out. Why are they come to get Lot and his family out? That's right. They're righteous. They're going to destroy the city. But why would they get Lot out? Because he said that if there were at least 10 righteous people, he wouldn't destroy the city. So God already, we already know that what? There are not even 10 believers in the city. Why would he get them out? I think so. I think I think he's being gracious to Abraham. We'll see it as we study the passage on through that he delivered him out of there and he remembered Abraham when he does this. And then the second thing, two reasons for coming to get Lot and his family out, and the second is to destroy the city because obviously there are not ten believers in the entire city. Now, we said that even if you said that the city was a small city, which it probably wasn't, but if you said it was six or seven or 8,000 people, there's not even 10 believers in 8,000 people there. And you can see what the people are like. Now, watch what happens. Then the two men said to Lot, Whom else have you here? Son-in-law, sons, your daughters, whoever you have in the city, bring them out of the place. He said, Now, who else do you have here? Do you have sons-in-laws? Do you have daughters? Do you have sons? Well, who do you have? Get them out. You know why? Because God is about to destroy this place. Now, I want you to realize that this is a picture of God's coming judgment 
and deliverance of righteous, righteous believers. Think about that. Because the truth is, everyone in this room who knows Jesus Christ as Savior, we are never going to be in the eternal judgment and we'll never be separated from God. Let me say this. No matter how you live, no matter how you live, you're never going to be separated from God. He's going to deliver you because you're righteous in that sense. Now, I want you to think about something else here. He says to him, they said to him, who do you have here? Tell them to get out. This is a picture, basically, of of us trying to deliver people out from a coming judgment. Family, friends, neighbors, get them out of the world before the judgment comes. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ. Technically, if you realize this, there is a judgment coming on this world, and everyone who has not believed in Jesus Christ will be part of that judgment. What should we be doing? We should be trying to get everybody we can out of here. We should be telling people about Jesus Christ so that they can know. We can tell them that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved. Matthew Henry said we can do, we are to do all we can for the salvation of those around us in this particular passage it's the it's the, the physical deliverance of people for a judgment for us in a sense we could say it is a, a a spiritual deliverance for everyone who believes in jesus christ will never be separated martin luther said true kindness is to warn of the coming judgment he says you tell them and get them out they're about to destroy the city. Why? Because they're sin. Notice what he says. For we are about, verse 13, we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Where's the destruction going to come from? From the angels? Are the angels going to go, it's going to come from the sky, isn't it? Angels are down there to do two things. They're to, deliver, they're to see what it is, to make sure it's what it is, and then they're to deliver Lot and his family, and then bring about the destruction. Of course, the destruction is going to come from, from God. Do you realize how being caught up in the world... Now, every one of us live in, in the world. We're in this world. He didn't take us out of this world. He left us in this world. But we're not to be of this world. That's why we're called the church, the ecclesia. What does the word ecclesia mean? What does it mean? The called out ones. We're called out from where? This, this fallen world system. We're called out as believers. We're taken and basically placed in the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're the believers. We've been called out of a fallen world. We're to be lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We'll see that in Philippians 2, verse, verse 15, 14 and 15, that we shine as lights in the world. And so we're supposed to be different. But Lot was a righteous man. When I say righteous, righteousness comes by faith. He was a righteous man, but he had lost his influence in his testimony. Watch what happens. He wakes up and goes, whoa, we better get out of here. So what does he do? Verse 14, Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who were to marry his daughters and said. Now, obviously, two daughters, and, and best we can tell is they were going to get married to these two men who lived in Sodom. And he went and spoke to those sons-in-laws and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. You better get up, get up and get out, for the Lord's going to destroy the city. But he appeared to his son-in-law, sons-in-laws to be what? Justing, joking. They thought he was kidding. Ah, I'm telling you, you got to get out. Ah, yeah, 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 sure, sure. They didn't believe him. Why didn't they believe him? He'd lived like them for how long? 20 years. They mocked him. When we live like the world, the world will never take us seriously about spiritual things. That's what we talk about. We want to have influence in the world. We want to be godly men and women. We want to have influence in the world. But let me tell you, when you live like the world, they're not going to listen to you. You don't have an influence. They will think it's really not important on what we teach because if it was important, we'd be different from them. But we're not. We can't live like the world and expect to have any influence. Can't do it. Because they look at us and say, you're no different to me. Well, watch what happens. Verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept 
away in the punishment of the city. Now, they're warning them. They're saying, get out. You know, they're there to get them out. And they said, look, take your wife, your two daughters, and get out. Are you going to be swept away? It's really the same word when Abraham said, will God sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Same word. Will God destroy the righteous with the wicked? It means to be swept away. Now, I want you to see something. When you get in the world and get connected with the world, it is hard to get out of the world because the world influences you. And notice how hard it is to get them to leave. Once we get into the world, it's so hard. The old saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Well, you can't take the world out once you get it in. It's really, really hard. Look what it says. He hesitated. Take your wife, your daughters, get out. And you're going, well, but you know, uh, we're, uh, we got a nice home here. And I've got, a good, I've got a good position. You know, if I stay at the gate, I, I can have some influence on these people. Because, you know, I am a believer. And I can have influence. And so, you know, maybe, maybe I could stay here. I mean, you know, and my wife is in the garden club, and she loves it, and she has a great influence. In fact, she loves the people, and, and, and they're together a lot, and I think she can have a big influence on them. I just don't think, you know, I just think we should probably stay. He hesitated. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters for the compassion of the Lord. Notice the compassion of the Lord was on upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. The world says such a powerful pull that we shouldn't be surprised when people get caught up in it and said, stay in it. Literally, they wanted to tarry. He said he wanted to hesitate. Notice they had to take him by the hands. They had to literally pull them out of the city. Had to pull them out of the world. God desires that they would be saved from the judgment. God desires that we'd be saved from the coming judgment. It is God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God's grace, mercy, and compassion, he desires to save us. His plan is to remove the believers before the judgment. When is, what's a coming judgment on the earth called? Tribulation. It's coming, and he's going to deliver us out before that judgment comes. He will. He'll come in the clouds, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together. In the moment of the twinkle of an eye, we'll be gone from this place. In Revelation, he says, I will remove you from the judgment that will come upon the whole face of the earth. He says that. Will he remove us because we're so godly? He removes us because we're righteous, because we belong to him. And Lot is a picture of being removed out of the judgment before the judgment comes. And God's going to do the same thing for the body of Christ. Now, next time we see the judgment and the consequences of allowing this fallen world to shape our lives. Because let me tell you, when they get ready to leave, the angels look at them and say, get out of here, run for your life, get this far. He can't even decide where to go. They say, get to the hills. He went, do I have to go to the hills? There's this little town called Zor. Can I like to live in Zor? And I want to say, live in Zor? He just said, get out as far as you can. You want to live in this little city right around there? What's the problem? And so they go, okay, go to Zor. We won't destroy Zor. You find out later that they get to Zor, and they, they decide to leave and go somewhere else. Can't even make up his mind where to live. His wife can't leave. They told him, run, don't look back, get out of there. She didn't just run, look back, and turn into a pillar of salt. The looking back meant, I don't really want to go. That's what it was. And the concept, what about his two daughters? We'll see. It's a terrible passage. What have we seen? Angels come to Sodom, the plan to get Lot out and destroy the city. Angels t- deliver Lot from these violent men. Lot tells others, it's supposed to tell others to get out, and they just laugh at him. And the angel has to actually take by force Lot and his family and get them out. So let me give you some applications, and then we'll open it up for any questions or comments. But the first one is realize the influence of the world. Realize the world influence. As Lot was influenced by Sodom, you and I can be easily influenced by our culture by the views and the values of our culture. Three things I want you to think about. First of all, the world will change you. It will. It will. 
Sometimes slowly, but the world will change you. It will change your values. It will warp the way you think. It will blur right and wrong. You'll become like the world. If you're around people, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If you're around people that believe just like the world, think like the world, act like the world, you'll end up acting like the world, thinking like the world, and believing like the world. It will change you. It will slowly do that. James 4 says, if you're a friend, don't be a friend of the world. First John says, don't love the world. Romans 12 says, stop being conformed to the world. You'll be like the world. Now, this is something I've been saying in, uh, I said it in Sunday morning. I've been saying it in my class on Wednesday night, but this is the truth right here. If, you're, if we are not consciously being transformed by the word of God, we will unconsciously be conformed to the world. That is a truth. If you're not consciously deciding that you're going to live by the Bible, you're going to be transformed by God's Word, you're going to make application, and you're going to be different. If you're not consciously doing that, you will unconsciously be conformed, shaped by this world. That's why in Romans 12 he says, Stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to stop being conformed because it is the natural thing and it will do it so the world will change us number two that not only will the world change us but we'll we'll lose our influence for jesus christ that's what the world does when you live like the world the world will not believe your message because you're no different if we want to reach the world we want to go and 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 tell them about christ they won't listen to us if we act like them if we have the same values the dream same dreams uh, we are affected and, 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 and our family and our friends, uh, it, it affects everyone around us. Lot's wife, his daughters. You, you think when they moved down there that his plan was that they would pick up those values of those people? No. One of the things that men have to realize is that our entire family will be affected by our level of spirituality. And our growth or lack of growth will have a bearing on our wives and our children. Do we want to have an influence for Jesus Christ now? Do we want those connected with us to have the values of the world or the values of the word? John says, love not the world. Paul says, think on the things that are above and walk worthy of our calling. We need to live according to the word of God and not the world. What are we after? Are we after power, possessions, pleasure, or a peaceful life? No. We are after making an impact for Jesus Christ. And the only way we can do that is be conformed to the image of our Savior, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, set our hearts on living for Christ. So just realize that. Number two, God delivers the righteous before the judgment. We saw that in God's grace and mercy, really, for Abraham, he removed Lot from Sodom. We realize that believers will be removed from the judgment on this world because those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior, we know that we'll never come under that judgment. There's going to come a time on this earth that the, the writer of Revelation tells us, John tells us, that it'll be a time that, that has never been this bad and never will be that bad again. It's coming. And I have Christians talk to me sometimes, and they'll say, oh, I hope I don't go through the tribulation. I'm so worried. I say, wait a minute. Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? Yes, you won't go through the tribulation. He will deliver the, the body of Christ because the tribulation is not for us. Alan Ross, who was a Hebrew professor at Dallas Seminary, said this. He says, the church does not need angels to come tell us we have the written revelation. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved. We're saved from the coming judgment. Jesus Christ will come. He will take us out. Then the judgment will come. I hope and pray, and I know every one of you in this room, but I hope and pray every one of us, just by looking, I, I think I already know the answer, but I hope every one of you believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. You have eternal life, and you're in a sense, you're, you're righteous, and so that you'll be taken out before the judgment comes. We see the influence of the world. It will conform us contrary to God's word. We must not love the world, not live according to the world, but we must love the word and live according to the word of God. We know that one day judgment is coming and only those who are righteous will escape the judgment. Well, that's where we stopped. We're going to see they get out, but we're going to see what happens. What happens to his wife, what happens to the city, and what happens to his daughters and to Lot. It's a, it's a terrible thing. Let's pray. Then we'll open up for any questions. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, that as we study it, you teach us and we see things. We see the, the warning. We see the, how the world can affect us. And we realize the influence of the world. Lord, is, we know that it's so powerful that we don't even realize it's happening. And if we're not consciously being transformed, we will unconsciously be conformed. 
And so, Lord, we, we know the world can change us. We know that we'll lose our influence for Jesus Christ because of the world if we love the world and we're caught up in the world. So, Lord, we don't want to do that. We want our lives to count for you. Lord, we thank you for your grace to us that all who believe in Jesus Christ, we will never be separated from you. We'll never come under a judgment for you did not send your son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through you might be saved. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for this passage. Teach us now. Help us to make application. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, any questions, comments, anything? Yeah. Just a couple of weeks ago, I think one of them I just missed what you said. Okay. Uh, Lot had two daughters. Mm -hmm. Best we can tell. Well, when it says son-in-laws, we can't tell whether it meant that they were engaged to be married or they were son-in-laws in the sense that they were not married to them yet, but they were going to be married. But when you look at the passage... And it says, uh, Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who were to marry his daughters. So the best you can tell is, in fact, there's, one, there's, there's a view that says he's got two daughters that are married and two daughters that are going to be married. That's, that's what some people say that. I think the best way to look at it is he has two daughters that are going to be married to these two guys. He goes out to warn them to says, better get out. We all better get out. And they say, you're an idiot. That's what they say. They're, they, they think he's la they, they make it a joke. They say, it's just a joke. Okay. No, it couldn't be because you've got some men that like these women. Now, what we're seeing is from every quarter, there, that city was inundated with a homosexual lifestyle, homosexual uh, uh, views and pushing and everything. So, so here's these men from every quarter. And what he's trying to say is it wasn't just older men. It wasn't just younger men. It wasn't just men from just one little section of the city. It was the entire city, the whole area of the city coming together. So he's saying that the entire city is influenced by this. And and so the wickedness has come up, and he's going to judge the city. But not on him, not for himself, I'm sure, and not for his daughters, best we can tell. And and best we can tell, he had had come there and had gotten into a position of leadership because he's at the gate of the city, and so he's he's semi-respected. Until he tries to stop them from doing what they want to do, and he says, "No, no, let's don't don't be wicked." And what they're really saying is, "So you calling us wicked? Who do you think you are? You, you're not even from around here. You gonna judge us? Tell you what we'll do? We'll get you." That's so. Yeah, sure. You can ask anything. Yeah. Well. Verify the whole aspect of the judgment. He did. He did. He already knows. I think it is to say that God doesn't judge uh, flippantly. Like, yeah, I think they're. I think they're bad. It was like to say, I know they're bad, and I'm going to even show how bad they are by sending my angels down there just to show you how bad everything is before I bring the judgment. That's the best that we can tell because we know that God doesn't need to send any angels anywhere to find out anything. But I think it's like to solidify the thing to say, she, I showed you just how bad these people were. What else? Yes. His daughters don't respect him, right? Well, here's what we say. What is righteousness? It's not lifestyle. Righteousness comes by faith. When, when the Bible, when it says that Job was righteous, that Lot was righteous, that uh, uh, Zechariah was a righteous man, he, they're not saying they lived righteously. They're saying that they had believed in the Messiah. They had believed, and so they had been deposited. There. Remember, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Well, Lot obviously had believed, and so it had been credited to him for righteousness. So he's righteous in the sense that he's a believer, just like every one of us in this room. Whether we live righteously or not, if we have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says we are righteous people. So here we see a righteous person living a terrible lifestyle. 
And so when some people say to you, a true believer won't live a bad lifestyle, let me tell you what, the Bible calls him, and Peter, a righteous man. There's not any doubt that this man is a righteous man, believing. So can a believer live a bad lifestyle? Yes. And when people start telling you, well, if he was really a believer, he wouldn't do that. We are capable of any sin. You put us in any wrong place, we'll do the wrong thing, wrong time, all of that. So he's he's a believing man who's living a bad lifestyle. And when he stands before his Savior, will the Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant? Will he have rewards? Well, best we can tell, probably not. Probably not anything. Because lifestyle determines rewards. Lifestyle does not determine destiny. Our destiny of either spending eternity with Jesus Christ or being separated from Jesus Christ comes by faith. We believe in the Messiah, the Savior Jesus. Our destiny is that we will always be with him forever. We do not believe in Jesus Christ. Our destiny is we'll be separated forever. But a lifestyle has nothing to do with destiny. That's why when people want to say, you know, you need to do this and you need to live right, you know, you need to live good if you want to go to heaven, they're missing out what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches that salvation is a gift. It's by faith. And your lifestyle determines your testimony, your rewards. I mean, we see he has no testimony. He went to his sons-in-laws and said, you better get out. And they, they made fun of him, basically. And his wife didn't want to leave. In fact, she never left. And his daughters, we know what they're going to do. So it's a, you know, you could just say, here's a man who is a believer but has no testimony for Christ, no testimony for God, no testimony for the Messiah because of his lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can think of some people I think were more evil than David. I think Saul was more evil than David. I think David was a man after God's heart. I think... He did. He did. But Moses, uh, what did Moses do? Well, Moses killed somebody. Was he evil? That's what I'm saying. If I, if I went out and, and, and killed somebody so I could get their testimony, they would, they would put me in jail or they'd put me in prison for that. So I'm King David because of where he was stood. He didn't get any trouble at all. Well, if you remember, God sent a prophet to him and said, by the grace, by the grace of God... You will not die. But he had in, he was afflicted and had consequences the rest of his life. In fact, I'm sure there are times in David's life that he wished he was dead. It would have been better for him to have died. He did. That's why he's called a man after God's own heart. That's exactly right. And you look at you look at all the heroes of the faith, many of them of the faith, and they all do bad things. And so we say, uh, so David was bad. Yeah, Moses was bad, yeah. Uh, the southern, he was bad. What, yeah, they were bad. Uh, Peter did this. Uh, you know, and, and yet, you look at it and you realize that your relationship with God and your, it comes by faith and not by your lifestyle. Now, we want to live righteously and godly. That's the plan. And David, uh, beside, you know, besides the two horrible things, which are about as bad as you can get, he still is referred to in the Scripture as a man after God's own heart. Now, the big difference between David and Saul was that when Saul messed up, he, 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 he didn't care about doing what was right for God. He didn't care about dealing with his, with his sin and consequences. In fact, he went the opposite direction. And when David messed up, you read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, and David says, I blew it. I blew it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great point. You know, I, um, he, I don't know if you could hear the question. He said, do you think all, of, all four of them were believers or only Lot was a believer? And because of the way the passage says, um, the men ceased his hand, the hands of his wives and daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And, and uh, so the question is, was Lot the only believer? And because he was a believer, God also had compassion on his wife and two kids or whether they were believers or who knows. If, if I'm guessing, and you can't tell, but if I'm guessing, I would say that Lot may have been the only righteous one there. Because what we see from the daughter, of course, you can't go by lifestyle, you know. can't go by lifestyle, but uh, 
you, you don't see anything in there of them saying the Lord told me, you know, the Lord was this and the Lord was gracious. I mean, what they do later on, they just say, we, we want to do what everybody else does. They're still connected with the culture. They just want to live like the culture. Well, what, yeah, she never made it out because she loved it too much. I think that when it says that she looked back and became a pillar of salt, it, I, like I said, I don't think it means she just happened to be running for her life and looks back like this and then all of a sudden becomes a pillar of salt. I think she's saying, y'all go ahead. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm looking back. That idea of looking back is to long for it. I, I don't want to leave. I don't want to get out of the city. I, I don't really believe that this is going to happen. So I, I think that she probably said, I don't, I don't believe this is going to happen. I just don't believe it. And that's what happened to her. So, yeah, good good stuff. Yes. Okay. That's coming from, that's Sue, by the way. It's not from me. I did not say that on this tape. No, that's. Well, I, I think it's more than her just wanting to look. I think it was the idea that she didn't want to leave. She was, she was longing. Well, that, that's not what happened. It wasn't, but yeah. When it says she looked back, it means she was longing for it. So I, don't, I think she was seeking to go back. Okay, yeah, you, yeah, okay. And there was another question. Yes. We can't tell. Yeah, could be. It could be. We don't know whether they're just saying, do you have sons, sons-in-laws, daughters, or whether they're actually naming who he has. It, we can't tell. I think we, they're definitely saying, whoever you got in this city, you better get them out. But you can't tell by that. And it could have been that he had more than that. We just don't know. That's why some people say that maybe he has sons and, and daughters-in-laws and then a couple of other sons-in-laws connected with somebody. Nobody really knows. But the best we can tell, we know for sure he has two daughters and the wife and the sons-in-laws that were going to be married to them. But there's no way to know. But that's really a good point. Yes. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be that'd be the four, and the eight. That would be ten. Well, but but here's the, the the point is this: we don't know how many of these ten, if there were ten, how many of those were righteous. Remember, it was only if there were righteous people. We're not even sure that Lot's wife and his daughters were believers. So we don't. We, we, but that's a good point. What? I don't know. I don't know. That that's a Jewish deal. But these people aren't. This is not. We don't. We can't say that. I don't know the culture of Sodom. There's no telling what it was like there. I don't know. And and even if they were property, I, I, I still can't see how. Yeah. I don't know if it would be. I, I, when, I, when I've read and studied, I, I can't see anything that anybody would say that this was a culturally accepted thing to do was to offer your daughters to a pack of wild men. I just I can't find that anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably enough time-wise. Uh, thanks for coming. Okay. Thanks.